Welcome in, everybody, to this episode of the Hopeless Sports Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and I've got my buddy Chris here today, a Texas fan of mine. We're going to talk a little bit of some Big 12 football as well as the rest of college football as we get pretty close to conference championship weekend. It is rivalry week coming up. So there's a couple of big games that kind of have all all out effects as far as what the, the playoff looks like. Um, and Chris being the uh, big 12 fan himself, I figured he's the guy I'd want to talk to when it comes to Bedlam. So uh, Chris, what are your initial thoughts heading into this game? Well, Bedlam and, um I am interested to see how Oklahoma deals with Oklahoma State's defense. Um, we've seen physical teams like Baylor uh, give them trouble. And uh, even Iowa State, uh, Iowa State was, I mean, did a pretty good job at containing that Oklahoma offense with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. I mean, he got loose a couple times, but uh, I'm just pumped for the for the battle there. I think it's going to be, you know, a low scoring game compared to some recent uh, outings from those two. Yeah, I think back to uh, – I always think of Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield going at it, um, even back to some uh, Zach Robinson days a little bit when he was there, and that being the the score at minimum adds up to 100. So this is kind of, a, I guess, a breath of fresh air coming from an SEC fan a little bit. But um, the, the question mark for me is the uh, Oklahoma State offense. I think that they'll do a pretty good job defensively of – limiting big plays with Oklahoma I think they'll take a little bit from what Iowa State has done and what Baylor did kind of apply that and then they have they have a very good pass rush Um, they do a really good job of getting pressure up the middle so I think that's kind of going to be about keeping uh, Caleb Williams contained in the pocket they use their spies pretty well but I still think that the, the question mark I guess as far as their offense will they be able to hit a big play or two to keep up because I still think Marvin Mims or Kennedy Brooks is going to burn them once or twice. And then also just containing Caleb Williams scrambling ability. Cause I think they'll have Jim Knowles is going to have some of those plays figured out well pre-snap, but there still is, I think the innate athletic ability that you can't really scheme around with your defense. Yeah, the you know watching the Ohio State or I'm sorry the Oklahoma Iowa State game, uh, you, Iowa State tried to mush rush a lot where they just didn't want to get behind Caleb. Um, they just kind of wanted to push, keep it, keep him in front of him, don't let him you know escape contain. Uh, but you saw with his touchdown run in the first quarter. I mean that was just an excellent QB draw, uh, and that was just Caleb being you know being a monster athlete. And uh, late in the game. I think his third touchdown in the third quarter, or his his second, but their third, was just him escaping the pocket, rolling out, and he just threw a laser into the end zone. I mean, it was just a beautiful pass on the run. Just, I mean, I can't talk about how great that pass was. Yeah, he's he's definitely, and he the way I, I just the, the most impressive part I guess with him is he's a true freshman that came in mid season, and he's not really making a ton of those throws that you can I guess you you don't see a true freshman very often on the field I mean every you have you have those plays every once in a while where he's not he's kind of holding on to the ball too long but it's not nearly as prevalent as you'll see with some other freshmen I think the game that um, I also look at 
for Oklahoma, I guess on the other side of the ball is uh, the Baylor game. They, they didn't do much passing on the Oklahoma defense, but Gary Bohannon and um, Tristan Abner were really able to run pretty well. And that's something that Oklahoma state does very well. I kind of look at them as like a secondary RBU with how they've had um, Chuba Hubbard and Barry Sanders and some of these running backs, although they're not really known as a trademark RBU kind of school, but Jalen Warren is definitely one of those guys. I'm extremely impressed with him and his, uh, his vision is pretty much elite. They use zone schemes really well and allow Spencer Sanders to also keep the defense honest in that regard. So it's definitely going to be a matter of, I think clock control game for Oklahoma state in this one. Yeah. And I look back at when we played Baylor and by we, I mean, Texas, of course, um, I liked their offense. I liked their offense a lot. I thought it was very smart. I, it kind of, it took advantage of what the defense wanted to give it. And it was very, I mean, it just, it did what it needed to do and it relied on the defense of Baylor to, you know, control the game. And they did the same thing with Oklahoma. Uh, they just kind of dominated the game on defense and the, the offense just kind of pick and choose what it wanted to do. If it wasn't there, it wasn't there. And they didn't press it because they knew their defense would come through. And I think Ohio- Oklahoma State is going to be the same kind of thing. Like, is Spencer Sanders going to try to press? Is he going to have a Spencer Sanders game, uh, which he hasn't really this year, but, you, you know, you, you do, I think. Uh, and it's Oklahoma, and you know Mike Gundy going to Mike Gundy, and hopefully he doesn't Mike Gundy in Oklahoma because that's just been bad news for him his entire career. Yeah, I think the closest thing I guess we've seen from a, a typical Spencer Sanders game. I went back and watched when they played West Virginia. He really hung the defense out to dry there with some bad uh, field position situations, kind of almost, I think, multiple times. They, a couple of the interceptions he threw in that game, they were starting in the red zone, but West Virginia still wasn't really able to do much, and that's something that, obviously, with Lincoln Riley running that offense, your margin of error is a lot smaller. But is, as somebody that's kind of seen this rivalry through the years, is this kind of a situation of if Gundy doesn't win it this year, then it's going to be a long, long, long time before Oklahoma State ever wins this game? Yeah, if they even play it anymore. <laughs> um, I, honestly, you know, I, I just want to go to Oklahoma real quick and ask, why don't they play the the Jalen Hurts offense? Like, Mario Williams is insane. Like, he is such an athlete, and I think he's a runner on the level of Jalen Hurts, maybe not power-wise, but just his ability to break the game open. I think I would just go back to that playbook from two years ago and just and just run the Jalen Hurts offense and just see how it goes, you know. Yeah, I think the only thing I I guess with that is maybe it's the, uh, Jalen also w- was bigger, I guess, than than Caleb. But at the same time, you do have Spencer Rattler in your back pocket still, if um, injuries become a, a problem. But I, I just there's doesn't seem to be that explosiveness there as much this year. I think some of it's offensive line play uh, that obviously teams have made the adjustment on the GT counter. That's not really been as present this year, really, from the very start of the season. But uh, and I think just the history of this rivalry has taken 
is the Vegas has taken it into account as um, Oklahoma still sits at uh, three point favorites heading into this week, even though the game is in Stillwater. A- am I correct? I believe that um, the, that Oklahoma has better does a has a better record in Stillwater actually than Norman on that. Yeah, when they've lost, uh, they've lost it at Norman. Um, surprisingly, like they Stillwater is. Uh, been kind to them over the past 20 years yeah we just just for uh the listeners the the record is this is probably um this is w- more one-sided than the georgia georgia tech 81 to 19 oklahoma so um and this is kind of like you you kind of alluded to the the uh fact that they might not play this with oklahoma moving to the sec i think that's all the more motivation for Oklahoma State to try to try to win this game. Um, we we ha- look at the the playoff picture. We have obviously we haven't had the rankings yet as we record this on Monday. Those will come uh, tomorrow night. But I think we can anticipate Oklahoma State to be probably in the five to six ra- uh, range, depending on where Cincinnati moves up and how far Oregon drops. But what what do you see? Give me kind of your estimate of the odds of Oklahoma State um, and Oklahoma, respectively, in terms of making making the playoff. I think Oklahoma State has the better odds, just if they win out. Um, I think the issue with Oklahoma, and you know, we we want to say that we've gotten past this post BCS era, but I think it's the timing of the loss. With the timing of the loss being so late in the season, they just don't have the horses on the schedule to jump back up into contention. Um, if Oklahoma were to go out and Ohio State this and win by 50 and then, you know, play them again and win by 50, then sure, like, great. But I just don't see that with this defense. I think it's going to be a close game. And if Oklahoma State wins both games, I think it's going to be very hard to put them out. I'd probably even say that they'd be in over an undefeated Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it definitely there's there's other factors there as well. Um, obviously, I, I the way I look at it as well with Cincinnati is I think that they'll have to win against Houston pretty handedly as well. And obviously, they have, they have to run the table if they lose, they're out. But um, I agree with you on that. I think Oklahoma State has a better shot. I think not only just the timing, but there's also, I mean, it's, it's a human committee. So I think there is some kind of uh, fatigue there with Oklahoma in the committee. So I think when in doubt, they're going to kind of defer to Oklahoma State if they're able to win both of these games. Now, with them both sitting at one loss, I think we both can agree that um, if the, if they split this um, now, um, I think they're they're both out, but the issue is also if if Oklahoma loses, then if Oklahoma loses the first time, there will be no split because Baylor ends up in the Big Twelve championship game, which I would kind of like to see them in a situation with whoever comes out of the Big Ten East with um, just just seeing a team play spoiler from as a fan of an outside a team in an outside conference. I think is something that's pretty entertaining to watch but um give me your uh chris give me your score prediction for for bedlam 
Oh man. Um, I, I think, like I said, low scoring affair, I would say 21, 17 Cowboys go pokes. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, something similar. I think we see Jalen Warren just, like I said, clock control. I think we'll see that the zone scheme not even be – I don't think we're going to see a high yards per carry number from from Warren just with Perrion Winfrey in the middle of the, the uh, Oklahoma defense. I think what's going to happen is we'll have a couple of a couple of big runs – and um, Warren is very explosive in the open field as well. I think that's going to be something of kind, kind of a big play capability, but it'll be in the running game for Oklahoma State. And I think they'll be able to, I think, play from ahead, get a couple of turnovers from Caleb Williams, maybe, maybe a fumble, as long as they can limit the turnovers themselves. If Spencer Sanders, like he's like you've said, avoids the typical Spencer Sanders game, I think they come out on top. So I'm going to go 24-20 Oklahoma State for that one. Now I think we can uh, move on to, I think, the, the, other, the other huge game this weekend, which is the Egg Bowl. <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, that 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 game that game is, is it's such a classic. That it's never it's never not a, a brawl at some point. That's kind of the, which is funny to me because we get we get the quote from Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, this morning. That's um, you know, it's just football. Like, why do you hate each other over a football <laughs> game? It's like clearly you haven't spent enough time in SEC country there, Lane. You've spent too much time out west or. <laughs> In the NFL, but um, gotta love Lane Kiffin, man. Favorite coach, favorite coach in the nation, right there. Yeah, it's got a. Uh, so, I think what we'll we'll other game I actually do want to talk about is um, Michigan Ohio State. Now, this is a game that it, it's interesting to kind of see the outlook of it because Michigan did lose to Michigan State and East Lansing came down to the last play, but. We, we kind of look at it as Michigan has a better shot of, I think, winning this game than Michigan State would against the Ohio State University. I think just based on based on the matchup, um, Chris, give me, give me your initial thoughts on that game. I So I'm a boxing guy, and in boxing, Styles makes fights, and that is, that is the Big Ten right now. Like – Watching Michigan State just get demolished by Ohio State is because Ohio State plays the type of football that can demolish Michigan State. Um, And I don't think Michigan plays that brand of football. I think Michigan is a great matchup for Ohio State. Um, They, I mean, they're top 10 defense. They handled the passing game pretty well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see. I think this is Harbaugh's best opportunity to win this game since his second year. And there's there's the, the wild card of Aiden Hutchinson as well for Michigan. I think he's the guy that um, you we don't really see any big time DBs in the back end of this defense. It's the uh, 
undoubtedly the best wide receiving core in the country, but I think Hutchinson is kind of kind of the the great equalizer and in, heading into this game as well. Yeah, and if Michigan can get C.J. Stroud uncomfortable, uh, you know, Michigan State was unable to do that, and he just ripped them apart. I mean, I, it was just – it was a massacre. <laughs> but, again, he's sitting back there with time throwing to wide-open guys in man coverage. So, you know, take take what you will from that. Like against um, the, the worst pass defense in the country, statistically. Yeah, it was, it was not pretty. Um but I think Michigan, man, I think if they can get C.J. Stroud moving, if they can do what Oregon did where they just made him uncomfortable and you saw Penn State, you know, make him uncomfortable. Like he hasn't if, – if you give him some happy feet, let him see some ghosts, man, like C.J. Stroud has had games where he's been inconsistent. Um, and I really just – I think Michigan can. Will they? Who knows, man. This game is just – crazy that crowd is gonna be bonkers i mean i'm 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 pumped for this game saturday morning 11 o'clock i'm gonna be you know in my pjs eating leftover pumpkin pie just ready to go yeah it's 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 about i think this is about as good as a, a, a noon kickoff can get in terms of intensity like you said it's it's 11 a.m. Central Time. I, I think they, they are Eastern Time in, in um, Columbus. I think we had to double-check that. I had to double-check that one with our buddy Josh, a resident Ohio State fan. But I I just want to see what – see, I, we talk about kind of the, these typical matchups of C.J. Stroud versus this great defense and Oklahoma State uh, – Lincoln Riley OU offense. I I've always been the kind of person that I look at what the other side of the ball looks like, and we've seen Zach Harrison make some plays in the passing game, but we're it's still not quite up to I think um, championship par defensively for Ohio State. But the the question is, um, well, can can Cade McNamara take advantage of that? We see it's it's such a kind of old school Big Ten power running team from Michigan, but I still think that whether, whether you have, whether Aiden Hutchinson is effective or not, you, you the, the there's just a certain part of the game plan for Michigan where you, to play it, to beat a team like this, you have to be able to, I think, play. Now you can help yourself out by limiting those on the other end. But it's similar, similar to playing Alabama. You you have to be able to punch back when they punch you. You talked about boxing, I guess, in terms of matchups and things like that. I think another kind of boxing metaphor we have going on in this Michigan Ohio State game is you, you're going to take that when you have a guy that has a big right hand, for example. You're going to take one or two shots. On the chin, you got to be able to withstand that and continue on through the round and through into the fight. I think that's kind of what it's going to be like for Michigan against Ohio State. You're going to have Garrett Wilson or Jackson or Marvin Harrison Jr. They're going to get behind the defense one or two times, but I think you have to be able to respond if you're the Michigan offense. So um, I think we're going to have to see Cade McNamara 
not not be kind of a game manager type. He's going to have to be play above himself if they want to be able to win this game. Ohio State is 19-point favorites heading into this game for a reason. But um, if if we were to have him make that kind of play, who, who do you think is kind of the other guy that steps up for Michigan in this game offensively? Man, that's a that's a tough question. Um, they're going to need something from their running back, so I think Corum. And uh, are do you know if Haskins will be playing this week? Because I've heard different reports. I, I'm not sure on that. I think it, I, the tough part of that is it's not only is it like kind of I don't, I don't know how Harbaugh works, but I deal with Kirby, who's about as useless as it gets in terms of giving away the injury report info to the public so um on top of that it's it's mon it's kind of it's monday as well so i i i do i'm i'm not sure on his injury status got you um yeah but i think my favorite thing about jim harbaugh as a head coach is he's got imagination and sometimes that looks weird and it looks like there's seven people lined up in a straight line behind the football before they break out all <laughs> And uh, sometimes that's just inventive play calling. And, you know, when you've got Ohio State, when you have your opportunity to beat them, I think you have to you have to find a way. And I think Oregon gave you a blueprint early in the year with some of their schemes that they used to get that left side open on defense. And I think Harbaugh can take that and just with his imagination and play calling, I think they can take advantage of some of this schematic stuff where it's not necessarily a player but it's it's out coaching the defense yeah I think it's it's definitely a situation where we, we've already had the, the Kerry Cumes situation go on where they, they relieved the DC of play calling so I think at, at the very least I, I, I won't be surprised if Ohio State comes out in a lot of like base coverages, very simple cut and dry stuff, which opens up opportunities for you to run different beaters and kind of counter different things as well. Yeah, I, I just, I, like I said, I, people give Harbaugh grief and, and deservedly slow for some of the stuff that he does, but dude will do some weird stuff just to like cause chaos on the football field, like play design and uh, formations and stuff like that. And walk on a recruits hardwood floors and Jordan <laughs> plates. <laughs> and stay the night in bunk beds. Gosh, he's it, it, him. Can we just have him and Mike Leach on the same coaching staff at some point, just to see uh, what can happen. <laughs> oh man. That's just, it's, I just feel like it's it's a, you just feel bad for some of the Michigan fans. Like they 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 just have dealt with so much. This has become such a one sided situation, and they I I just I don't I don't want Michigan to be a Florida where they're content with a ten win season and that's good enough and that's all just just kind of tipping your cap to the Buckeyes and saying well. We gave our best effort. Maybe we'll get them next year. But um... yeah, you know, I've said I've said this season at one point that this rivalry is dead, and the rivalry is dead because Michigan doesn't care about winning it. 
you, you'd think at the winningest program in college football history wouldn't have that mindset. Yeah, but, but I, I just – I think that they have – I mean, of course, winning one would make it, you know, reignite it. But Ohio State, they, they own the state of Michigan. Like, and they have and they will continue to as long as, you know, they don't start stepping on their th- – I mean, Michigan has to start stepping on Ohio State's throat and make this a rivalry again. Because I think, you know, you have a game coming up this weekend with the team who historically have been pretty even. But um, unless Georgia Tech pulls something out and they start giving Georgia some problems, like that's not a rivalry game anymore. Like that's a game. It's not a rivalry game anymore because Georgia State or Georgia Tech does not want to win that game. Yeah, that's the old, our, our yearly, uh, it's, it's, I, it's just a, uh... I, I I call I call those those kind of games halftime nappers. You you play a Mizzou, you play a South Carolina, pre Shane Beamer, you, you're gonna have it pretty much in the bag by the half. So you gotta make sure you don't eat too much Thanksgiving uh, food because then you end up taking a nap on the on the on the couch. But I I just what if. It's a massive what if, but what if we get a Michigan Oklahoma State combo in the playoff with paired with even a, a Cincinnati, and then you have Georgia as just it, it just be I think refreshing for the game of college football if we could get a completely new makeup of now. Now Georgia has been in, in the playoff before um, in seventeen, but. That's their only time being in it. And then, of course, Michigan ha- hasn't been in it. Cincinnati obviously hasn't. And then you have Oklahoma State, who's been kind of the played second fiddle to Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. So, um, what, Chris, what is, is that something – do you think that's kind of a positive for getting some re- refreshment? Or do you see it as kind of a negative for the game of these some of these um, lesser known programs getting national attention like this? I think it's a positive, man. And we've we've talked separately about playoff expansion. And my biggest thing about expansion and and even the playoff as it stands is let's get more teams, man. The more teams, the better. The more kids that have opportunities to play. I mean, I would, I would love to see Oklahoma State, Michigan, a Cincinnati. Uh, I, I mean, I can one up you though with that. And if you knock out Cincinnati and put Notre Dame in there, and then you got Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State, and and Georgia, if, you might if, as well if, just if, hand them, hand out them as the title. If if you have Notre Dame at four. And with playing um, Alabama and Atlanta prior to that, I think that that just equate that's like two weeks as a Georgia fan, where I don't think I could deal with how much the entire country would be behind us as a team in that two week span of just every single person in the country except for that small that one fan base rooting for you. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of the what. What do you do? You think? That Cincinnati, if they if they run the table, if they go undefeated, do you think that they're in at this point with Oregon losing, or do you think they still need some help on top of that? I, I think they need help. I think they need Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to split the series, or 
or Baylor to win the Big Twelve. Like okay. that's that that's how I I just I don't see the committee because I, I mean and they've done this. There's been a a precedent set, you know, over past committees where they don't really value the group of five. And Cincinnati has been great. And I don't want to take anything away from Cincinnati. I mean, their defense gave up 199 total yards this week against a team that everyone thought could give them trouble. And they just showed out. And I think next week they're against Houston, the Dana Holgerson offense just better get ready because since he is coming and with something to prove and a chip on their shoulder, I think they could blow the doors off Houston. However, the committee doesn't care. The committee wants the power five to be the power five. And if you have a one loss champ who like Oklahoma state, even Oklahoma, I think if they have, I mean, if they have a top 10 win and then follow that up with uh, that same team beating the same team, if they can do it, you know, convincingly enough, like two touchdowns, maybe both of those games, I don't think you can leave Oklahoma out. Um, To be honest, it's just, I think Cincinnati has, they need help and they've gotten a lot of help and they just need a little bit more to get to that threshold. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able to, to withstand one lost power five champs because we've seen in the past where the committee has taken those conference championship games, what the 13th data point or whatever, and they've shaken it up and put it the way that they wanted it rather than the way many people felt it should have been. Cough, cough, 2015. <laughs> yeah. Not to name names, Baylor, TCU, Ohio State. <laughs> Heck, you got a 2017 as well there, a little bit between uh, Ohio State and Alabama. But um, I, I, I somewhat agree with that. I think that um, – I think if Cincinnati plays like they did against SMU and they, they just show that kind of dominance, I think that they have a very good shot of getting in regardless. But I think if we've seen kind of – if we see that – the kind of struggle win we saw against USF. Um, I think that's that's where you need a little bit of help. I, I think it's straight up, not even as much for me, the result of what happens, whether it's, um, say, Oklahoma State winning twice or um, Oklahoma winning twice and avenging that loss to Baylor. I think it's it's much more of a situation of, I think if Oklahoma State, wins against Oklahoma and then they beat Baylor in the big 12 championship game. I think they're going to, the committee will move them up as the four seed, just with playing some of those, uh, just with that strength of record that you have at the end of the year by beating two, um, I think at the very least top 15, top 20 programs. Yeah. Well, to be to to, like, I mean, to correct on that one, they would, if they beat Oklahoma state, it's a rematch in the big 12 title game. Oklahoma state again. So they would have the top 10 win over Oklahoma State, and then they'd play Oklahoma State again as a top 15 team. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just flipped one, which which matchup needed to happen in Bedlam for Baylor to end up in yeah. the 12 championship game. Um, but, yeah, good. yeah. 
But uh, I think if if Oklahoma comes out on top, I think you, you like I said, I think you see that committee fatigue kick in, and I think this this if there's gonna be a year, I think this is the year that the committee goes. Do we put Oklahoma in again, whether this is an Alex Grinch led defense and a different team or not, or do we throw Cincinnati to the Wolves against Georgia and say, hey, we can put them in here now, let them lose by 35 40, and then we never have to hear from them again? I think that's kind of the situation that the uh, committee will go with. And we, we talk about the expansion, which I think is, is inevitable at this point. I think that they'll also use that as kind of leverage when setting up this situation with whether they have these at-large bids or with these um, auto bids and whether the group of five is even included in that kind of situation. I think it, there's there's just enough moving parts and other outside forces involved that I think rather than put Oklahoma in, I think the, the committee goes with Cincinnati, even if it's a one-loss Oklahoma team. Yeah, I I actually think Cincinnati goes in as a three seed. If they get in, they're in as a three seed. Um, and then you know you'd have Ohio State to worry about, and I think Ohio State Cincinnati would be a great game. Um, and I think that you'd end up with Georgia Oklahoma State or Georgia Oklahoma or you know whomever. So you, you say if they're in, it goes Georgia, um, Ohio State, or Michigan. So the, the winner of the Big Ten, then yeah. Cincinnati and Oklahoma State? Yes. Yeah, I think the Big 12, the Big 12 champion, one loss would be a four seed, just, you know, based on where they are now. Because, I mean, if you're going to put Cincinnati in, you're not just going to jump them to make them play Georgia, especially coming off the, we just saw that game last year. Um, I think the committee would kind of want to not have that happen. And I, like I said, I think Ohio State-Cincinnati is just – that's a killer game, man. That Cincinnati defense going against that Ohio State offense. Just just uh, something it, about it being all an all-Ohio playoff. All-Ohio. It, it would be in Indianapolis. So, I mean, it's in the Midwest with Midwest teams. I just think that would be great. Both teams would travel so like super well for that game, uh, I, and then you know, I I would almost want like, can we get a veto on that game in Indy and put it in Cleveland or since and or Paul Brown Stadium <laughs> just to just to make it as Ohio as possible. Wait, wait for oh, a, yeah. wait for a blizzard to come around and everything. Just just make it as Ohio as humanly possible. Yeah, for real. But, um, yeah, I think it's I, – I never thought about it, a situation where um, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State get in. I think that's kind of a, an interesting possibility there. Um, I guess that's all. The the part we, we haven't mentioned yet is, um, I guess, kind of with me as a Georgia fan, I'm a little resistant to this idea to begin with. But if Alabama wins in Atlanta, I think that um, really – takes care of I guess Cincinnati ends up being the odd one out because that means it's it's two SEC teams end up taking up the the last uh, end up taking half the spots so I think that's you're gonna see 
the Pac-12 has eliminated themselves by having everybody have two losses or more. And then, like you said, they're going to have the, the precedent of the Power Five over the Group of Five. So I think there, there's there's no bigger Georgia fan on December 4th than, um, I think, this than Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think Alabama winning the SEC championship would be the committee Charlie Foxtrot. <laughs> like, that would be the thing that just messes the whole thing up. And um, I, I don't think it's going to happen from what I watched this week and this season so far. I think Alabama is a phenomenal team, but they're not the, the same Alabama that we've we've watched i think they're very good they have very good talent um there's just i mean there's just something you know and and i can't put my finger on what it is but there's just something off and they've you know they've shown times where they're just not there uh i called the arkansas game week three as soon as florida gave alabama all they wanted i said man Arkansas looks a lot like Florida personnel-wise on offense, and they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to attack those corners. And they did just that. And Trayvon Burke just went bananas on them. I mean, I haven't seen a guy that dominant in the SEC since Treadwell. And, man, he was just big and physical and beat him up. Yeah, it was was definitely – Eye-opening. I guess when I look back at the, the Florida game, the, the warning signs were there. I was definitely, um, I think, somewhat from my hatred of Florida to begin with, kind of saw it as, okay, Bama didn't play up to par. That's why this was close. Not as much Florida in the swamp came out and played the game of their life. But I still had this mindset. It, it, it's saving. We've all seen it. You, you expect everything to just be patched and fixed by the time you get into November and December. And yet we, we see this pattern of the, they'll, they'll look like Alabama one week and then they go out and give up a few big plays. I'll look at Tennessee and then they, yeah, not even the next, a week, man. They, they go back. To, you, you think that it, you think that it's like fixed and then they go back. Mm-hmm. You think they've patched it? Maybe I mean some of it's like it's New Mexico State. You can't really see much, but you expect that stuff to be handled. And then, like you said, Arkansas comes out and it's it comes down to an onside kick before they can finally put them away at home. And it's the same team that Georgia basically manhandled on both sides of the ball, start to finish. Yeah, if Georgia could cover um, JMO, like. I mean, they had two guys trying to cover that guy, and he got behind both of them. And I'm just like, dude, how, like that guy is so good. Oh my god, Jamison Williams is a monster. It's it's definitely um, the only the only way I guess outside of just having a safety just eyeball him the whole play. The, the I, I do kind of want to see what it's like if because they they love they use Mechi a good bit on these as well, but they these tunnel screens that they run I think to kind of set up the the, the deep shots. See what happens if a Nakobe Dean or a Lewis scene just maybe even we see it uh, from Auburn from uh, Monday a little bit like 
see if he can handle taking a taking a shot uh, over the middle and if that affects his desire to go downfield but that's definitely that's that's priority number one for me as a Georgia fan is limiting the big plays you're still going to have some improvisational stuff but this is this is the first time that I I feel that Georgia can can match those elite teams big play for big play you don't you don't sit there and cross your fingers on third and 15 hey, we better get them off the field now here because if they convert this, then they're going to get points and we'll be playing from behind kind of thing. It's just the you're, – it's it's weird to how relaxed I've been watching a lot of these games, and I guess that's what um, adding an explosive offense to the mix can do. So we had some technical issues there towards the end, but uh, for, for Chris, you can follow him on Twitter – at Call Me Biscuits, uh, he's a pretty good follow, a big-time Texas fan, so he, he definitely provides a different perspective than uh, what I'm going to give you. And make sure to like and follow the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it on, so that way I can continue to give you guys the content you want to listen to. Thanks again for listening. Uh, this is Taylor, and you've been listening to the Hopeless Sports Mantid Podcast. <laughs>